vast and distant galaxy, a space adventure like no other. Star Crash. Okay, get ready. Here they come. An epic struggle between the forces of good and evil. Starring David Hasselhoff, Marjo Gortner, and Carolyn Monroe as Stella Starr, the most beautiful pilot in the galaxy, Star Crash. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at themaindamie. We're also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation. You can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Dallavecchio, and with me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. I'm passing right to Mark. I want to see what he opens up with. Welcome back. Perfect. I'm Dan Aquino. Wow. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, think, I have no words. I, I think I think I put too much pressure on Mark. No, uh, before we I was, recorded, I said I can't wait to see what Mark opens up with. I thought I thought I could deliver the terrible line uh, by David Hasselhoff near the end of this movie, but I guess wow, it did work. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. No. Wow. <laughs> oh, my. All right. Shake it off. Shake it nope. off. We'll, We're going to we get got, there. We're yeah, going to get there, Mark. Episode. We got plenty of episode this week. We can uh, only go up. Yeah. So this week, uh, the opening movies this week is The Lion King, among not much else. So that kind of left us kind of trying to figure out what kind of movie we could watch. But this Saturday is the 50th anniversary of the alleged moon landing God uh, damn it i was <laughs> going to make a stanley kubrick reference there you go well maybe you should have had this in the opening i was gonna just <laughs> just gonna say that you had a whole opening mark yeah come on everyone knows that i introduced the movie at this point of the show yeah and then never mind go on you've done 41 <laughs> movies mark this is not a surprise at this point all right <sighs> well okay the alleged moon landing happy, happened 50 years ago this Saturday, July 20th. Um, so we decided to do a space movie. And rather than do something that had anything to do with actual space travel, we decided to do the biggest Star Wars ripoff I've ever come across, the 1979 movie Star Crash. Guys, Star Crash. <laughs> uh, this was what, a... what do you yeah. say? Mark, what, what do you say, Mark? Yeah, it wasn't good. Um, the, my favorite part of this was finding out, um, the first time the count shows up that he is the, uh, the, uh, loan shark that Rocky works for in the original Rocky movie. And I was kind of excited about that. All right. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. So, but besides that, this movie is, it, you can't, uh, you can't tell if, um, they were, how much of the actual ripoff of Star Wars they had written and had to be scaled back. With you know worries of a lawsuit, or if... <laughs> I see no evidence of scaling back. <laughs> well, I mean, there there was a lot of scaling back in terms of uh, you know quality. Yeah, but in terms of is, is this a, yeah. is this a direct ripoff of Star Wars? I don't think anyone said, oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. Because um, if you watch the the subtitles on, they they call them lightsabers. Yeah, I that feel like. Bad. I yeah. feel like it's a trademarked word. Yeah. yeah. 
I, maybe at, at that point was it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh-huh. That's a good question. But I mean, it's pretty. It, I I kind of give give them credit for that for just not giving a shit. It was a different time forty years ago. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm what I like most. I'm just wondering if they had a uh, like an animal companion and scaled back on that. <laughs> I, I think what I like most about this movie was I could I could stop it, go do whatever else I wanted, right, for however long, an hour, two hours, whatever, and come back and restart it and not know what the hell's going on, <laughs> and it really not matter towards the plot of the movie. Yeah. Because this whole movie is so disjointed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I would it, say... I, it felt good, because I was like, oh, I have no idea what's going on, but I don't think they knew what was going on. Yeah. I I watched this movie three times. That's um, a lot. Because I watched it twice, and then when I went to sit down and write my notes for it after the second time, I had no memory of order of scenes, or, like, there were huge chunks of this movie i completely forgot happened and i watched the three times in a span of a week so it wasn't like i took i watched it once i spent a week not watching it then watched it again and spent another week and then watched it again i watched it all three times within the span of five days and (sighs) it's super episodic like like there is a through line in terms of the plot. Like they go from yeah. place to place, and there's a specific reason why they go from one place to another. But it one scene, one place doesn't have anything to do with another other place. It's it's this movie's baffling. <laughs> and there and there's scenes that are shot as though you're supposed to stand up and cheer when they happen, mm-hmm. but. There's no context given or any buildup to why you would be excited about that zoom in on something. Sure. Um, yeah. There's a specific moment late in the movie when that happens. I, I think this was just a movie that was made on a really bad trip. <laughs> all the star, like all the space scenes look like something that you would take, something you would you would see while you were on shrooms. Yeah, sure. All the stars are like different colors and right, well, hyperspace it, is is trippy. It, it, other thing that they stole directly from Star Wars. Well, the, the the stars themselves look like the background in a high school picture day from the 80s. You know, it's you almost have like those neon lines and everything, and the 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 silhouette, the big head, the big silhouette is in the top corner. It's like it reminded me of one of those pictures. Like they're they're constantly flying through one of those. Yeah. If if without looking it up, if I was imagining that it was like filming against the background of a light bright, but I don't know if those had been invented yet. <laughs> I feel like the light bright was like an old school thing that they like yeah. re, re brought back in the eighties. Because that's what it reminded me of was just you know they literally filmed it little. Uh, like action figures and you know toy spaceships flying across a light bright background mm-hmm. um, which made it even more baffling or maybe he just respects the craft so much that christopher Plummer took this movie way too seriously yeah in his uh, delivery christopher Plummer, uh i think he i think that he was something like he was made he made like 15 grand per day on set and I think he was I think he was on set for a total of two days. Oh. <laughs> um, but it was, 
de- decent decent amount of money. I think he got a trip out of yeah. trip to Italy out of it because um, this was directed by Luigi Cosi uh, in 1979. It has an IMDb score of 3.9 and a Rotten Tomato score of 33%. Ooh, really? Yeah, well, that's pretty it, high. It has a U.S. box office gross of four hundred and seventy-eight thousand dollars. That sounds about right. So a good chunk <laughs> of that, and a decent chunk of that went to to plumber. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and other, uh, probably a huge chunk of it also went to the music. It was uh, composed by John Barry, who, besides being the uh, composer of the James Bond theme song. Yes. It's a winner of five Oscars, including Best Original Score for Dances with Wolves, which is the last Oscar. Um, That was one of the first things that I noticed before I even started doing research. After I watched the movie, I was like, this the music in this movie is is better than it should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I don't even Uh, recall the music, if I'm being honest. It doesn't even fit. I, I don't know if it doesn't fit in terms of like what. The, like the score, the score fits the movie, but it's way too good. Um, yeah, and they, it, it's meant for a better movie. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I feel like, and I feel like they didn't pay him super amount. Like they gave him, like, because they reuse a lot of the same song. They, but it's well done. But they reuse a lot of the, the same music over and over again. So they probably only had him for a certain amount of time, um, and then they just redid it. Uh, I was reading through the IMDb trivia, and it said that they were afraid to show him the, the first cut of the movie because they were afraid he would see it and quit. <laughs> I, I wouldn't blame him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I'm surprised he didn't. Uh, the other <laughs> talent rounding out this movie is stars Caroline Monroe, Marjo Gortner, David Hasselhoff, Joe Spinell, and the aforementioned Christopher Plummer. Um, Mark? Uh, the... Uh... Star Stella, uh, I found, was like a second, uh, I guess technically a Bond girl. She wasn't the main one mm-hmm. um, in uh, The Spy Who Loved Me. I believe that's true. I believe, I believe that's yeah. That. yeah, I think that's where the one she's from. And it was like, oh, okay, is that time period of, of, you know, just hiring any model to be, you know, the space companion. Yeah, or, you know, it was like, hey, uh, Jack, uh, who knows? She'll look good in a future bikini. Sure. Uh, this is this does predate uh, The Return of the Jedi gold bikini. So that's one thing that uh, Star Wars stole from this one. Yep, that's exactly what they did. Yep. Uh, so the I guess the second lead in this movie is Marjo Gortner. Um, you guys probably haven't heard of him, but I mentioned before the podcast that this guy has a fascinating backstory. I'm going to go through it real quick right now. Uh, his first name, Marjo, is a portmanteau of Mary and Joseph. He grew up in a very evangelical uh, family. He was ordained at four years old to be the world's youngest ordained minister, his nice. father being a third-generation evangelical preacher. Uh, Marjo and his family would travel the country, holding revival meetings and selling holy articles at revivals. Uh, by the time he was 16... Marjo's family amassed $3 million doing this. But shortly after his 16th birthday, Marjo's father absconded with the entire fortune, causing Marjo to become disillusioned and left his family for San Francisco. He quit preaching about that time until his mid-20s, when he would pick it back up because he needed money. He would work for six months and then live off his earnings for the other six. 
1971, he once again became disillusioned by the whole thing with, a, I guess, a crisis of conscience. Uh, 1971 documentarians Howard Smith and Sarah Kernokin followed him on his final revival tour, giving backstage interviews, explaining intimate details about he and how other preachers operated. This documentary, titled Marjo, went on to win the 1972 Oscar for Best Documentary and became hmm. one of the most vehement criticisms of Pentecostal preaching. So that's hmm. Marjo Gortner's story up until uh, 1972. That sounds almost exactly what I would imagine a <laughs> preacher uh, at his age would go through. Yeah, it's kind of, it was it was interesting. Uh, and then he tried to become an actor. Um, obviously, this uh, this movie he was in a horror movie called Mausoleum, and then very little else. A uh, couple of TV spots here and there. Wasn't he in Earthquake? He was in Earthquake as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a pretty big budget movie, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he uh, he he really didn't make it big. Um, okay. But uh, I thought that I was. I can't imagine why after watching this movie. Yeah, he's he's got that he's got that seventies uh, white man afro going in this one. <laughs> he he looks like a a cracked out Alex Winter. <laughs> yeah, he's he looks very heavily made up. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he, he kind of looks like a wax figure of mm. Alex Winter that kind of melted a little bit. Yep. Especially <laughs> with with the heat that's going on, right, guys? This yeah. weather. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, nice to, nice to timestamp that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess. Uh, do you guys want to get into the plot at this point? Uh, do we have anything I, more for everyone to get into it? Honestly, I think we should because this it's so meandering that I feel like we're going to be doing this forever. And yeah, I think we're going to go on a few tangents. It, right, because it's again, it's not it's none of our faults that it's going to be long. It's mm-hmm. th- this movie is just like it's like anthony said it's so episodic where i don't think it, it it's a disservice of being a movie really it should have been maybe a, a a television show i guess yeah uh okay so yeah let's go right into the plot um we start off just ripping off george lucas immediately as we have spacecrafts flying past screen very reminiscent of the original star wars opening uh, we've got spaceships that look just like star destroyers um we the space crew on the ship they get attacked by glowing orbs that kind of look like uh, lava lamps um and then and then it explodes we got a title screen with music by john barry as i mentioned i thought the score for this film was easily the best part uh and uh yeah then title screen goes by and we get another space crew this is where we meet our quote-unquote heroes we get Caroline Monroe as Stella Starr and Marjo Gortner as Acton. And they're currently being chased by their smugglers currently being chased by interstellar police, Thor and the robot named L. And this is obviously what Mel Brooks has ripped off on Spaceballs. Sure. Was this here? Yeah. <laughs> Specifically Star Rush. Yeah. So they jump to hyperspace again, something from Star Wars. Um, but otherwise, it's a slow speed chase, and they jump to hyperspace and they come out to the haunted stars, where they find an attack spaceship uh, that is completely without power. And Stella boards the ship and finds one survivor. One of the shots in this scene is ripped completely from 2001: A Space Odyssey. <laughs> um, 
And they find she finds one survivor who is barely awake. She brings her him on sh- the ship, and he talks of red monsters and to, to alert the emperor. At this point, the space cops catch up to them, and Stella surrenders. I feel like Dan, were you going to mention something? Yeah, early on in this movie, I don't know if you guys had the same problem. I couldn't tell the spaceships apart. Yeah. There's so yeah. many things flying around. And they all just look like a hunk of metal. Yeah. And obviously this is where... This movie makes you appreciate the original Star Wars trilogy even more so. Because everything was defined. You had X-Wings. You had Y-Wings. You had TIE Fighters. Mm -hmm. You had the Imperial Imperial Star Destroyers. Everything was so easily discernible. You knew what was bad. You knew what was good. And this one, it's just like some kid's toys really like someone made them out of like connects or something like that yeah no i I, that was one thing that i was uh, that i was thinking the last watch through was just like how 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 perfect star wars does the things that it does and you can see how easily it could fail at it just by what this movie does (laughs) yeah um so from there they so Stella surrenders, and we get a scene uh, that shows Count Zartharn. He yeah. his his ship just looks just like the Galactic Empire ships, but with a fireman pole, which is is specific. <laughs> uh, Zarth has a team of uh, let's call them stormtroopers, and yep. some and some golems. That look like the Knights from the Jack Frost Rankin Bass Christmas special. Yeah. The first thing that came to my my mind was, what in the Ray Harryhausen is going on here? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There is very heavy influence of Ray Harryhausen. Um, The director is an admitted fan of his work. So he definitely cribbed a bunch of that stuff from it. Not even here, not even just here, also later on as they go on the Amazon the mm-hmm. world of the Amazons, too. Um, so, Acton and Stella were arrested, and they're sentenced to hard labor by a disembodied head. Uh, <laughs> and which is never seen again. Never seen again. I guess he just runs the... Uh, he's just the judge, I guess. I would. I wanted to hear... I wanted to know more about that thing. Like, what was it? We, yeah. don't, we have no idea. Yeah. Uh, this is where Stella is forced to feed a furnace with radium for life on a penal colony. And she is the only slave that has to wear a bathing suit while she works. <laughs> the, the other slave isn't nearly as uh, attractive. Yeah. I mean, she's she, much older. She wears the hell out of that bathing suit. I'll give that to her. Yeah. For a lot of the movie, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she's not, she's got pretty, pretty rock-hard abs for that. So she's got no... Uh, she's definitely working that bathing suit. So props I to hope- her. I kind of hope it was her choice to do it, but I know it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least as they when they get onto the, like, the snow planet, at least they give her actual clothing to wear. True. I, I was expecting them not to. <laughs> but, but yeah, they kind of, they, they give her something better. Yeah. Um, so she's working the furnaces on some penal colony, and she immediately plans an escape loud enough for the guards to hear <laughs> right within earshot of a guard and then he smacks the shit out of her with some stick <laughs> it, it it was funny I, I was thinking to myself all right so she's captured she's captured for a grand total of a minute yeah she she does no hard time 
I think she said she she was like, I can't keep doing this. My skin's gonna melt off. And then, all right, I'm getting out of here. And then she she gets out of there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this this movie pretty good. This movie manages to pack a lot into an hour and a half. Um, but it's all super boring. It's it it's kind yeah, of a weird. Yeah, it was exciting. Like everything that they do is very plodding and slow. Like they spend a lot of time on that on that snow planet, and I don't know what it what gets accomplished when they're there. Not much. No, it, it kind of reminded me of Interstellar. Yeah. When they're on the planet that with Matt I, Damon. Yes. Spoilers. And, and nothing, nothing really happens. Yeah. And you're just you're just kind of there, and that's what happens in a lot of these scenes. It, yeah. It's a very uh, wash, rinse, repeat. Yes. Where you know they go down to a planet, they get captured, they get away. They they go on the starship, they go somewhere else, they get captured, they get away, and it's it, and it brings me to one point. What, what, uh, what's the guy's name? Akrot. Uh, Acton. Acton. He continues to send Stella on her own. <laughs> yeah, he's he's like, oh, I'm gonna hang out on the ship. Right. You he, got this. He completely abandons the main character at every turn, and I just thought, like, this is this guy's terrible. Who is this guy? <laughs> That's what, one thing I noticed. I was just like, why does it? Where does it? What's his? What's his connection to the ship? Is he allowed to leave it? <laughs> I, at one point, they do show that he has a connection of something. Like he can talk to the ship's computer. Oh yeah, he rubs the the computer brain and and he massages it. Yeah, it's an actual brain, mm-hmm. and that they they bounce that on you out of nowhere. That comes out of left mm-hmm. field, and then it just it just never comes up again. Yeah, yeah, it's the second crazy thing that you see that is never mentioned again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they never say why he doesn't go with them. Yeah. Uh he's I guess he's just lazy. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe he had to preach or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he could only be on set for so many days cuz he had to balance his preaching preaching right. job. Right. Like, oh, I can't do it today guys. I got a sermon. <laughs> so she gets caught trying to talk about escaping. She gets slapped around with a, a stick starts fighting with the guards, and she winds up getting a few fellow prisoners killed. Way to go. She, uh, and she has zero remorse over it. Oh, yeah. She she just uh, she takes one of those, uh, those swords from Halo, and yeah. she makes she leaves, and she's on the run. Uh, and she justify the means, baby. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's pretty good. It's... Yeah. Uh, she, they were pretty much a stepping stone to getting her yeah. out of there. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I, in her defense, I think she does give kind of like a one of those look back. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then she's gone. Yeah. But at, when she gives that look back, there are still prisoners still alive that die <laughs> after she leaves. You could still help us. No, I'm, I've already looked <laughs> I'm, back. I'm sorry. Like, I, have oh, to go. I, I can't make two trips. <laughs> and, and then... Uh, Here's another thing. The weapons are real shitty. Yeah. They're like, they're, they're, uh, they're pretty much, uh, like what, what cardboard tubes that are painted <laughs> gold. Yeah. They're, they spared all expense. For this movie. <laughs> all right, and, and that's another thing. Like you have such, even like Star Trek with their phasers. You, if I, if I mention a phaser to someone, 
they can kind of picture what the phasers are in Star Trek and the, the blasters in Star uh, Star Wars and all that. In this one, they're they're just oblong shapes, pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so she's on the run, and a spaceship lands on the beach. She gets on because you know you just get onto a random ass spaceship. Yep. And it turns out it's Thor and L's ship. Um, so she thinks she's caught again, but it actually turns out that Thor and L's plans have been changed. Now they're in charge of keeping her safe and yeah. delivering her, helping, getting her to help the Emperor. And at this point, L's voice oh, completely <laughs> changes. Yes, it does. The best. Well, I'll say, arc, I'll say. The best arc in this movie is L's. Because yeah. <laughs> so, it is all over the map, but it's an arc. <laughs> he and he has like a southern, almost a southern prospector's voice. Yeah, he's got. <laughs> so, um, these make me nervous. <laughs> so, something's messing with my circuitry here. <laughs> he has one of my favorite lines that I'm gonna get to later. He, he has all the best lines. Let's yes, just he does. And, and he kind of he. For for the listeners out there, you would I would describe him as Darth Vader, but in like a gimp suit. <laughs> sure, yeah. Uh, it actually turns out the voice of L, because uh, if if you don't know, this was it's an Italian film. So what a lot of European films did back in the sixties and seventies, they would shoot without sound on set and then redub everything afterwards. Uh, most of the people voiced their own characters. Uh, Stella Star and L did not because it would be too expensive to bring them back over from the U.S. Um, after after shooting was wrapped. So uh, L is voiced by another woman, but the voice of uh, L the the voice of L is done by the guy in Joe Dirt. That he tries to sell the poop oh. ball to. It's a poop rock. <laughs> it is just a big hunk of poopy. <laughs> Same guy. Oh, there, yeah, there it is, Joe Dirt. Yep, uh, like Hamilton Camp. Bombs. Yeah. The, the, what does he say? The the uh, the. You see the peanut. The peanut. Dead give. Yep, there it is. <laughs> so that guy. Yeah, so he's famous. Uh, okay. But L is fantastic. Yeah, he's yeah. Part of yeah, and my favorite part of this scene is they announced to her that they were coming to break her out and get yep. her out, which meant she could have saved all those prisoners' lives. It's just <laughs> hung on for another five minutes. Yeah, she had 12 <laughs> hours was too much prison time for her. Yeah, her, you see her skin, Mark? Her skin yeah. is perfect. She can't get uranium on there. Yeah. Come on. That's true. That's her moneymaker. Yeah. yeah. Her and, beauty is worth the lives of those poor innocent peasants. And, and if we're being honest here, she's not hard on the eyes. She's no. she's easily she's a girl for right. So it's <laughs> it's one of those things where you can kind of you look past her shoddy acting, as it were, and she's not terrible, right? I mean, right. she's you can tell there was times when you can definitely tell she's reading her lines. Well, again, it's not her it's not her yeah. actual voice. Yeah. Oh, okay. So oh, you just yeah, yeah, I think you just said that, right? She. Yep. It, it doesn't say who did her voice, right? Uh, oh, no, Candy Clark. Candy Clark. Yeah. It did. Uh, 
did Hasselhoff do his own voice? That's his voice. It yep. sounded like him. Yeah, you could tell. Okay. Uh, you tell because you see his, you hear his voice before you see his face, and it, uh, I definitely, I knew immediately. Like, oh, that's Hasselhoff. That's the Hoff. That's the Hoff. Yeah. Uh, so she's free. She's picked up by Thor and L, uh, and then they go and free Acton, which all just happened so quickly. <laughs> They're like, now we gotta go rescue Acton. And then they just like <laughs> smash, cut, smash cut to, uh, I guess, the, the warden where Acton is being held. It's like, okay, here's Acton. Take him. <laughs> he's, he's in your custody now. Right. And then they leave. Uh, it's very anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, so they start they start flying again in their spaceship. One of the things was funny that uh, I I noticed. I love how small the windows are on the spaceship. Yeah. There's like tiny like little, little portholes on a ship. <laughs> uh, was... And the first time I saw it, it happened, like the first time you see those windows, it happens like right after L says something. And I thought we were having a POV of what L sees. And yeah. like we're seeing it through his helmet because it just looked like they look like eye holes. It, it's weird because they have, I was thinking the same thing, like you're looking like that that's terrible for being able to see anything except for what's directly right in front of you. Yeah. But they have sort of a television next to them that they can see what else is going on, almost like a side view mirror as it were or maybe yeah. I guess it's 360, I don't know, but yeah. it's a poorly designed ship. Yeah, everything directly in front of them they can't see. Right. It, it, <laughs> it the entire thing is a blind spot. <laughs> and I guess it's like like, like the Apollo landers, I mean, they weren't full windows or anything like that. So I guess they had like small windows to see. But like in sci-fi movies, you know, the Millennium Falcons got that full 180 degree right. view of what they're seeing in front of them. So it's just super weird <laughs> to see just like these these small windows you'd see on a cruise ship. I, I guess it was practical for the for the production crew. Probably, yeah. Right, it's not, this was more practicality than functionality. <laughs> right. Yeah, we only have enough in the budget to make two small windows. <laughs> We're going to have to think of something else. Yeah. Uh, so they're flying, and then they get a holographic message from the Emperor, a Star Wars ripoff uh, with holographic messages. And it's Star, it's, the Emperor is played by Christopher Plummer. And, uh... Easily the biggest star in this movie, and uh, I'm going to say this. Whoa, uh, whoa, whoa. The Hoff is in this movie. No, no, Christopher Plummer has much more gravitas than David Hasselhoff. So uh, I say this as a straight man and someone that is very comfortable in his sexuality, but Christopher Plummer could get it. Yeah. (laughs) He is a handsome man at the age of 50. In this movie. He was 50 in that movie? Yep. Uh, I, I don't know if I can accept that, Ant. I don't know, man. He's... He, he, they, they have to be in their at least late 30s. I can't accept you <laughs> saying that a 50-year-old can get it. He's a good-looking dude. I'm going to say he's a handsome I'm, man at 50. I'm, I'm not going to say he's not good-looking. All right. All right. you telling okay. me that, you know, that's a little much. Okay. Then how about this? Fuck, marry, kill. <laughs> the Emperor, the Hoff, or Acton? Well, Acton's dying. Okay. 100%. Uh, I'm marrying... 
plumber. And I'm I'm nailing the Hoff. <laughs> Mark, I'm I'm reversing that. You just oh, you're, you're marrying the Hoff. Yeah. And nailing plumber. Plumber. Nailing yeah. Plumber. So he, see, you'd rather rather so both of you would rather at least marry a 50-year-old Christopher Plummer over Acton who's in his 30s. But but we're not we're, we're not banging him. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, what about the wedding night? I mean, uh, you know, wedding night? Oh, you know, my stomach. Oh, is it, I'm, my head is spinning. I had too much to drink. We'll, we'll do it later, Chris. I promise. Oh, man. Oh, oh, man. I'm rejecting Christopher Plummer hard. <laughs> I don't know. He's a handsome man. He looks like a, he looks like an old older army hammer. And he, oh, and he delivers his performance as though he's on stage. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got gravitas, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, t- he t- took it seriously. He earned those $30,000. Yeah. He was, he was, his delivery was as though he was practicing for either Broadway or London. Yeah. <laughs> he might have been. <laughs> I, I think this is probably one of those things where he thought to himself, like, it's, it's just two days. It's just yeah. two days. Like a weekend. Yeah. I get like to go a, to Italy. Yeah. We're going, Chris. Why are you, why are you projecting your voice so much? We have microphones. Yeah. Wow. That's just my talent. Just, he, I, I got to do it. Don't worry. He gets a little soliloquy at the end, and it's easily the best acting that anyone does in this movie. <laughs> By far. Yeah. One hundred percent. So, uh, the hunky Christopher Plummer kind of talks about the plan. He says that Stella is the galaxy's only hope. Currently, Count Zartharn has created his own Death Star weapon, more or less. <laughs> um, Stella is tasked with going to the Haunted Stars to find the secret planet and destroy it, and also to find the Emperor's son. Uh, so that is the, that's basically the plot line of the movie right there. Which I wish they had gotten to 20 minutes earlier. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of meandering to get to that. Um, so... Elle and Stella head out onto a spaceship on, on a spaceship to the unknown planet, and uh, Elle is a very nervous robot. Every every time they go to a new planet, he talks oh, about there's something else making him nervous. Water makes him nervous, <laughs> or whatever. So he's, they let, he's the Southern C3PO. Yeah, he's a Southern C3PO basically, um, checking off all the boxes for Star Star Wars ripoffs. Yep. Um, so they they land on the beach, and he utters my favorite line in the whole movie because it's got it's got no point whatsoever. He just yells out after they land, "My seatbelt stuck." <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that they still call them seatbelts in the in the far reaches of the universe. All three times I watched this movie, I just cracked up every time that scene came up. Because <laughs> there's no point. It, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a bootleg Woody from Toy Story. There's a snake <laughs> in my boot. My <laughs> seatbelt. I wonder if it was just like an ADR line the guy dropped, and they're like, "That's hilarious." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just, like just kind of go with it, uh, Hamilton. Just you know, kind of riff. <laughs> Oh, you got it. <laughs> now it kind of makes me wish they there was a uh, blooper reel because that was what he could have been, you know. Because I, I I bet like robots were so, you know, he wouldn't have even thought 
wouldn't know what to think about a robot. Like, what the <laughs> hell is a robot think? You know, like, how how do I like? Do I just say whatever comes to my head? <laughs> yeah. Um, so they find a crash launch ship on the beach, and all of a sudden he yells out another thing that I found hilarious: "Amazons on horseback!" <laughs> <laughs> Not as good as this is, but my pretty... belt stuck just had me dying. <laughs> That's a really good one. So uh, they run into a bunch of Amazons on horseback that take them prisoner. Um, and as they do, we realize that one, the queen uh, is out for revenge. Turns out uh, she has a grudge against L that is never elaborated upon. And as soon as he's taken into her room, let's call it, uh, he she immediately shoots him. Uh, yeah. And we find out that the queen, Corelia... Uh, working for the evil count and she kind of uh, expositions a little bit describing where the count's evil uh, the evil count's bases and um, gives them a couple of uh, tips on how to find it but she says they'll never be able to get to it um so they're about to take evil mistake monologuing yeah, yeah. Mon- you caught me monologuing um so as they're about to execute stella L comes to the rescue immediately, uh, and just every every line reading from him is just glorious. <laughs> the, the, Stella has one weird line. Where like I didn't know I didn't know you were built to be so persistent or something like that. Like, I didn't know you had that? it in you. Oh yeah, like what, what does that mean? Yeah. I, you didn't know you had it in you. He's a robot. Yeah, he's a space cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that's all he knows how to do. Yeah. It's just murder wantonly. And he does. <laughs> he he, he does evaporates so many people. He racks up an impressive body count in this movie. Yeah. Just saying hilarious things as he's doing it. This, this movie should have been about L. Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to see the, the adventures of the conversation, the, what happened between him and Queen Corelia. That, you know, that is a good, that is a, a good point. It's because they, like you said, they never really explain it. Yeah. What could a robot have done to the queen of the Amazons to piss I, her off? I don't know. Maybe at some point we'll get the uh, three prequels that this guy wrote this movie. <laughs> Luigi? I don't know. I, I think he's dead. <laughs> Damn. Is, is he? Alive? They unearth him in a estate sale. No, he, no he's, I think he's still alive. Doesn't say he's dead. So. Are we going to kill another actor on our podcast? Yep. <laughs> oh, a director. We're, we're going for a director this we're time. We're one for one of actively <laughs> saying, oh, this guy's still alive. And then before the episode came out, he died. So we, and, I mean, and we the, record these usually at at best two days prior. Right. Uh, man, it, if if Luigi Causey dies, <laughs> we have we, we got to stop doing the podcast. Yeah, right. Two for two. Yeah. Uh, so he comes in and saves the day. Because then there you go running on the beach, and the queen sends a slow moving giant robot with huge nipples to kill Stella and L. You noticed it too, right? Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, a, I didn't it's, know. It's an Amazon robot, but it just has giant nipples. And that was supposed to be the uh, the Titan, right? Yeah. From Clash of yeah. the Titans. Okay. Yeah, another Ray Harryhausen uh, tribute, yep. I suppose. This is very obvious Ray Harryhausen inspiration. 
Uh, Acton and Thor come by in a ship and shoot the giant female robot with beams. And then a space chase with the Amazons ensue. Eventually, they blow up all the Amazonian spaceships with lasers. Um, so from here, Acton says he's found where the mothership is. Um, it's a snowy planet. And this is pre-Empire Strikes Back. So um, no Hoth inspiration. So maybe Lucas ripped off Luigi. Lucas saw this movie. Yeah. Uh, the movie, uh, Lucas definitely saw this movie. So maybe so, he was, maybe he saw it because he was like, someone was like, "Oh, did you hear the Italians ripped off your your Star Wars?" I'm like, "Oh, it's not so." <laughs> he goes to see it, and then he's like, "You know what? That's not such a bad idea." <laughs> and then he ripped off <laughs> Luigi Cosi. That's awesome. And, and I need your next D and D character to have that voice. Hey. <laughs> That, that always reminds me, because Anthony does a pretty good George Lucas. Uh, I, th- I think the only person who does it better is Patton Oswalt. He, he does this whole, hey, so you, you like Boba Fett, do you? Now you get to see him as a kid. Well, that's pretty good, Ant. Thank you. Uh, get back on track. All can, right. can, you, can you do the rest of the podcast in that voice? Eventually, they blow up all the Amazonian spaceships with some lasers. <laughs> It's it's funny because for a second when we we cut to the ice planet, it's 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 like the Himalayas or something. Yeah. Right? It, it's an actual snowy peak. It looks good. And then you cut to L and Stella, and it looks like they're just kind of like on a snowy hill, mm-hmm. like, like in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a sledding hill. <laughs> right. And some of the snow is melted. <laughs> <laughs> Patches of the global right. warming. Climate change. Climate change, yeah. (laughs) Star crash takes place in the year 2020. (laughs) Uh, So Al and Stella go investigate the snowy planet. Stella finally gets some proper clothes. Um, Then they find the crash with everyone dead. And then they start trekking back to the ship. And Acton has a conversation with the ship's computer, which they use this exact plot point for an entire episode of Futurama. Where Bender falls in love with the ship computer, oh, and that's she becomes right. jealous. Yeah, yep. that's pretty good. Drama. They ripped that up, this off. And yeah, to be honest, that, I could that. see those guys having actually have seen this movie as a joke once. Mm-hmm. Those writers you, in that room. Can you can you say that in the Matt Groening voice? <laughs> I I feel like he's got a very similar voice to George Lucas. <laughs> he <so>. would. <laughs> they both look very similar. So maybe that's the reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while Acton is having a conversation with the uh, the computer, uh, Thor knocks him out. Uh, apparently he's been working with the Count the whole time, and he plans to leave Stella and Elle to freeze on the frozen planet. It's a, it's a, it felt like to me like a, like a bad turn from a like a wrestler in WWE. Right. Classic double cross. Yep, the heel yeah. turn. It was like when Shawn Michaels drop kicked Marty Jannetty through the uh, <laughs> through the barber shop. Yeah, yeah. The uh, um, yeah, he, he hits him and he turns right. He's like, I've been working with the count all along. And you, you could just hear the the crowd. No, Brilla <laughs> Monsoon in the background. Oh, what is he doing? <laughs> no, no, this is Monsoon. <laughs> Well, let me tell you something, Gorilla Monsoon. <laughs> We're just breaking out all the impressions today. <laughs> Why don't you tell me? 
<laughs> Why don't you tell me? Uh, okay. That's the most I could really do. <laughs> um, so uh, Thor tr- plans to leave, but uh, the computer says there's a malfunction. So while he's trying to do that, Stella and L uh, make it back to the ship. They realize that Thor is going to leave them and he won't want to open the door. So in order to save Stella, uh, L tells her to lay on the ground and he's going to use his energy to keep her heart working and essentially put her and him in suspended animation. Then yeah. Count Zarth Arn gets mad about the malfunctions by Thor because he's going to be late. And he gets mad, but then Acton comes to and fights with Thor. Um, and then all of a sudden, Acton unleashes his crazy staring powers, yeah. which makes him impenetrable to laser beams. And he absorbs the laser beams that Thor shoots at him and then turns around and uses them on Thor and kills him. So now here is my biggest issue with this movie. They give this guy powers as they go along, right? Yes. At, at the beginning, he has nothing that we know yeah. of. Then he's impenetrable. Mm-hmm. He can shoot lasers. And then we find out he can see the future. Yes. Uh, we never really get a full understanding of what Acton is. I, I, I'm assuming he's an alien. Yeah. I mean, this is, you know, different shit. Uh, you know, alien is in the eye of the beholder, right? right. It's all relative. Right. Uh, but we never get, and there's, we never get um, an explanation of explanation what Acton is. Of why yeah, he can just... use his crazy staring powers to become laser proof, or why he could see into the future. And it's... he can revive people. Sure. It's, it's like a guy that just went down the feats in his D&D handbook. Right. It was like, I like that one. I I'm like that this. one. That makes right. sense with your character. Ah, it's fine. It'll work. But it, I don't I don't know if maybe something was cut out from the movie that kind of explains what Acton is. In the I, bet you, I bet you there's a three and a half hour version of this movie. The director's cut, right? The the Kazi cut. Yep. So can we <laughs> release the Kazi cut? <laughs> I was going to say, we got to get that trending on Twitter now. The hell with this? Released the Kazi cut. Enough of the Snyder cut. We want the Kazi cut. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so the he uses his staring powers to take over, and they take he takes back over the ship and rescues L and Stella. Um, Stella is put into some sort of microwave to bring her back from stasis, and once she is back, she immediately puts her slave bikini back on, and they go about their business. <laughs> Yeah, that was such a weird turn of events there. And why does she put it back on? Yeah, I mean her her snowy her snow planet uh, uniform seemed like it was much more comfortable. It did, right? and more stylish too, really. Yeah. I mean, again, that, no one's really complaining that she's half naked the entire time. Right. But, um, in in terms of you know space, you really shouldn't be wearing that kind of stuff. Right. Again, As the, the we've talked about this before on right. the podcast the Man, radiation <laughs> yeah i mean you're really not helping yourself there not at all yeah um so acton uh kind of reveals that he knew thor was going to uh, double cross him the whole time and so he caused the malfunction himself and this is when he reveals that he could see into the future he, he pulls a doctor strange yep right if i tell you you're not going to do it. That's what he says to her. If I told you it was going to happen, you would have tried to change it. Yep. 
So we, essentially, he holds up the finger to, to Stella or whatever, and yeah. Stella had to sacrifice or let it let it happen, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then they arrive at the third ship location, and they are immediately hit by an energy beam. Um, more lava lamp scenes. <laughs> this had my this had my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> L, L goes nuts yeah. and he starts malfunctioning. Is that my what? circuits are going crazy. <laughs> Oh my gosh! But he but goes Acton, nuts. Acton has my like one of the best reactions. When, so they they fly into this ray, and it's essentially a lava lamp. Yeah. And L's freaking out, Stella's freaking out, but he's kind of keeping his cool. He's he's telling Stella to you know fight it, fight it. Yeah. And then she doesn't. She faints or whatever. And then he like laughs and he goes, "Ha! Ah, we just survived the most powerful weapon in the galaxy." And that's it. Yep. <laughs> like, um, what, what was it? Oh, yep. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so El goes nuts, malfunctioning. Stella writhes around sexually. Um, <laughs> and he says, surviving attack by the most powerful weapon in the galaxy. But there's no explanation as to how or why they survived it. Right. It's just, he laughs like a maniac. Yeah. And says, well, we survived. Yeah. And they sit down comfortably, like nothing happened. And they're like, great. <laughs> All right, let's go. And then, and then Acton sends her back <laughs> down to the planet alone. Yes. Well, with L. With L. Um, L and Stella set out to find the launch. Uh, they walk around some more. There's a lot of walking around in this movie. Yeah. Uh, it's like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're walking around. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> they're walking around as a masked figure watches them. Um, so there's a, there's a crash site that they find where, uh, L and Stella are going to go down together, but then L stops her and says, it's time for a little robot chauvinism. I'm going first. You keep lookout. <laughs> so he goes down to check out the crash site. And as he, he goes to check out the ca- crash site, she gets attacked by some cave people. Um, he comes out, tries to rescue her. He disintegrates a couple of these cave people and then he gets destroyed. He gets his head bashed right the fuck in yep it's sort of like 2001 a space odyssey yeah it was it was actually kind of funny to see i was not expecting him to get completely and utterly destroyed mm-hmm. you would imagine that it must be a common occurrence for these cavemen to see um their friends get disintegrated in <laughs> right. front of them because i would think to just run as soon as the person standing next to me just wasn't there anymore Right, yeah. it was it was probably you can compare to when the uh, the Native Americans first saw a, a gun, yeah. Or, yeah, right, and they shot the gun off, and they like, what the hell's going on? So that's how you would imagine it, but no, these these cavemen are they're pretty steadfast. Yep, and uh, they, just real quick, the when they they bash open L and you see all the circuitry, the um, I immediately thought of that Simpsons quote. You see that, Homer? That's why your robots didn't work. (laughs) (laughs) So they take her prisoner. Refreshingly, though, um, the cavemen are not interested in raping her. They just want to eat her. Which is kind of a step in the right direction. Cannibalism is always a step up from rape, right? That's what the courts say. (laughs) (laughs) That's a quote right there. you, You probably don't go away for as long, I'd imagine. 
Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It is it is hard it is hard to prosecute rape in this country for some reason. That's true. That, this is not a political <laughs> podcast. Um, so she's hung upside down while they eat, and they have some of the most grotesque eating sounds in the scene. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, mask. It's, it's what are they? I didn't know what they were really. It's hard to see. Are they dancing and eating, or just kind yeah, of hanging kind of just around, jumping around, doing yeah. super shit? But not you raping, know. and that is a step and, in the right direction. And that's okay. Yeah, that's I mean, fun. we've just had, we've had so many movies that we've watched where just like immediately rape is almost happening. What was the one? It's something we recently watched where there was a there was going to be a rape, right? Uh, I don't remember. I feel like there was so many. Sandlot three. <laughs> I wouldn't have been surprised. I remember, Sorceress had like a pretty graphic sex scene, uh, rape scene. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Sorceress. Invasion USA didn't. Did it have one? Mm, I don't believe so. Dolls Did didn't. No, not not dolls. Was it Invasion USA? No, I, like, I don't think so because there's hardly any women in it. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's been. I think it's been a time. Amanda and the Alien didn't have a rape scene. Oh, I, I think I did. Did it? I, I don't know. These, these movies kind of blend together. Oh, yeah, no. It to, it all, like a sexual assault, because he walks in and grabs the alien by, like, by the right. tits. Right. Like, immediately. Right. Like, some boobs here, I'm just going to grab them. <laughs> like, oh, they're attached to somebody. <laughs> this is the uh, 90s. I don't need to say anything. <laughs> I, don't need, uh, I don't need to ask. Yeah. So... Then the mask guy shows up and shoots lasers from his mask eye holes and scares off some of the uh, cave people and disintegrates some of them. Um, and surprise, it's David Hasselhoff. Um, he introduces yeah, himself so, as Simon. So this was one of the scenes I meant was where it does that zoom in, like that crash zoom into his face when he shows up. Sure. Um, after, and sort of like you're supposed to go, yeah, that guy, we know who he is. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the reasons why he wears a mask uh, at the start of this, uh, Hasselhoff got severe food poisoning while filming. So any scenes with a mask is actually his stand-in. Well, he's only in it twice, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. And then he conveniently loses that mask. It's just power and, armor or whatever he said. Right. Oh, yeah, right. It's like an awesome mask that I immediately lose in yep. the next scene. Yeah, it's like a power energy mask. It doesn't have that much power to it. Like, the power wears off quickly. Uh, it just discards it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, the, this, the scene with Hasselhoff is weird. Like, So he rescues Stella. They go into a cave. There's a little bit of exposition. He leads her into the cave, and they're attacked again immediately. So why did he bring her into more danger? <laughs> Look, he's not he's not great at the hero thing yet. I guess, but he's been there long enough. Yeah. You would imagine he would have had like a nice little stakeout for himself. Yeah. I, right. I think he has a similar line, something where he goes like, "Oh, we need to take a rest here. We got to figure something out because the, the cavemen will be on us soon." Yeah. Does, like, does he of. say that? Yep, pretty much. Okay. Yeah, and then it's like, well, then why are we why are we resting? <laughs> right. <laughs> and why are we resting here? He's got so much eye makeup on in this movie. But his hair looks great. His hair looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that's. Was this his first movie? You know, I didn't do that research. I didn't check. 
Damn to see man. what his his uh, filmography looked like at that point. Um, this was '79. I assume he's he had to be some sort of a star, right? Because as yeah, he's, he's 26 point, in this movie. To Mark's a lot of point, TV he gets movies. he gets like that that FaceTime that hero shot of him when he takes off the mask. Well, so according to IMDb, he was on the Dean Martin show in '73, Police Story, a, t- a TV series, and then I guess his first movie was Revenge of the Cheerleaders. Where yeah. He played, he played Boner. <laughs> I think we need to watch Revenge of the Cheerleaders one day. <laughs> I think we do. We, yeah, we can make uh, Hasselhoff a reoccurring uh, uh, member of They Call This a Movie. Ooh, it looks sexy. And a picture of one girl that looks like she's getting ready to deep throw a banana. Oh, jeez. Yep, I'm, I'm looking at her right now. Not not good. Not good. Or great. I don't think this movie would fly nowadays. Or great. <laughs> if I'm being completely honest. Probably not. Looks uh, like a grindhouse. Yeah, I mean, you got one girl bent over another girl. Mm-hmm. It looks like you have a brontosaurus there. Oh, man, we love brontosauruses. Yeah, when you, that's what a lot of our fans have have been saying. <laughs> we don't it, have a lot of brontosaurus in our yeah. reviews. Well, we started, off, we started off big with The Land of Time Forgot. Like, boom, there's no, dinosaurs. There's no brontosaurus in that movie. Well, those brontosaurus aren't real. With, That's true, they aren't. It was yeah. made up. Yeah. Would it surprise you if I told you his next uh, credit was a TV movie called Pleasure Cove with Tom Jones? Oh, man. Was, <laughs> Wait, did, it's not unusual to love someone, Tom Jones? Did yes. They, they fuck? A movie called I Pleasure hope, Cove. One can only hope. <laughs> That'd be great. I'd watch it's, some uh, David Hasselhoff on Tom Jones action. Yeah. It sounds like it sounds like it's uh they tried to make like a a love boat show to be honest this was yeah. like a TV movie but, yeah that's pretty funny yeah. but yeah he, he he I'm assuming they had that shot set up for him and then it had it was food poisoning day so it was the weird <laughs> shot of the of the mask yeah you know, I don't know. and you're supposed to go is at first I was like is that is Acton really a, a lizard person? Is that what this reveal is? <laughs> That's I, I actually thought that was Acton as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean they have similar haircuts. No, no, I meant when he had the mask on. Oh, uh, I got gotcha. I thought it was like because of all the powers he had, I was like, is this when he reveals he's a lizard person? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past this movie. Yeah. Uh, so getting back, so they start traversing the cave. That's when the other cave people show up. So they start fighting with them. Then um, Simon Simon's fighting with them, and then all of a sudden Acton comes to help, and he whips out his lightsaber for the first time, and he goes all Order sixty six on these people, on these cave people, <laughs> and just destroys them. And he's got like a maniacal look in his eye when he does it too. Yeah, he he has no problem killing these guys. These knee, uh, these troglodytes, I believe they're called. Yes. But, um, uh, what, what I know it says lightsaber, but it's really more like a like a flash sword kind of thing. I'm trying, sure. to, I'm trying to think. That's how that's how they get around the the legal. <laughs> it's a flash sword. I'm trying to think of like the chintzy way to say it. You know, like the <laughs> the dollar store uh, <laughs> toy version of it. Right. It's it's like when you go to the spirit of halloween it's like you know you see something supposed to be ghostbusters but it's you know ghost stopper yeah space bounty hunter 
Right. <laughs> so it's like a, it's a flash sword, a color uh, sword. There it is. <laughs> so so they're like, oh, well, we're never gonna find this hidden planet. But then Acton reveals they're on the hidden planet the whole time using some flimsy logic. Yeah, they the way they say it is weird. Right, what is it that I can't two, even two war warring uh, factions are protecting it. One being the monsters, quote unquote, which is the lava lamp, and then the second is the troglodytes. I would not have known that. Nope, it's like a little <laughs> riddle that just gets answered, not realizing <laughs> it was a riddle. Yeah, and it, it was one of those. I think he Acton even says you wouldn't have known that. Like, oh, geez, thanks, movie. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. thanks for filling us in there. We don't no. need to know these things. No. Um, so then they wind up finding the secret domain of the Count. They go into the main computer room and they face off with the Count, his stormtroopers, and some Knights. Um, they get taken prisoner again. Uh, that's where Count Zartharn plans to blow up the planet once the Emperor arrives to save his son. I guess he, he mentions that that's, he has his son held captive. They plan to blow it up. This is where Simon reveals that he is the emperor, the son of the emperor. Um, then the Count leaves in uh, James Bond villain fashion and with the golems. And then Acton and Simon fight the golems with lightsabers. Acton's fatally wounded but tells them to leave because it's his destiny to die there. And the emperor arrives. He's, how is he fatally wounded? He got shot in the arm. Yep, and he just dies. Yeah, and then he disappears. He blinks out of existence. Yeah, was, yeah. but he says he so can never. Weird. He says he can never die. Right. Well, yeah, I'll never truly die. Right. And it's like, okay. Well, he. Why? He, he will always be alive in the heart of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, then maybe that's what he meant. Maybe he slipped that in there. we <laughs> 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 we all truly live in paradise. By by uh, by our Lord and Savior, and just maybe no one paid that. That was like the best cut. <laughs> that was the best uh, scene that they did. Like, all right, we'll just go with that one. You got us there. All right. Um. So he dies. The emperor arrives, and they're like, "Oh no, this place is gonna blow up in 40 seconds. We're all gonna die." And the emperor's like, "Hold on a second. And then he literally just my. Christopher Plummer powers here. And just yells to stop the flow of time. time. (laughs) (laughs) I I laughed out loud. He he goes, I wouldn't be the emperor if I didn't have some kind of powers. Yeah. Spaceship, stop (laughs) time. (laughs) And stop time it does. 40 seconds turns into three minutes, so they're able to get back on the Emperor's spaceship um, before it blows up. Um, so at this point, the the Emperor sets a plan to surprise attack the Count, because the Count should believe at this point that they have died in the explosion. This is the most mind-baffling... This is the most baffling part of this movie, this next scene, where the Emperor... It, it's baffling in terms of storytelling. Sure. So... The, right, the emperor says, oh, "We have the drop now on the the evil guy, right? Mm-hmm. So we can we can launch a, like a preemptive strike against him, and he won't even know." Yep. And they do that, and they fucking lose. <laughs> they, they lose. <laughs> well, because part of their plan is to shoot torpedoes 
at the count. Uh, Trans- transport torpedoes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just two dudes <laughs> in like a shoot. Right. It's, and uh, yeah. It's like Elon Musk's mini sub that he tried to get the, <laughs> save those kids with. It's, <laughs> it's just that. So while I'm watching this movie, or while I'm watching this scene, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so when are Stella and uh, Simon going to go in? Okay, when are Stella and Simon going to join in? <laughs> Why are they not joining in? What's going on right now? Yeah. Everyone's dead? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, there is one thing that I noticed after watching this for the third time is Stella does not do a single heroic thing through this entire <laughs> movie. Nope. And she's set up to be like the lead. It's like, oh, she's going to be a badass space chick, right? Right. It's like she gets taken prisoner. She kills some people, and more or less, uh, more often than not, she's rescued by mm-hmm. other people. And and during fight scenes, she's always in the background, just like staring seductively. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when when Acton is fighting the the uh, what are they called? Kinects. Yeah, the Kinites. Kinites. When he when Acton is fighting the Kinites, she's just kind of like, ooh, you know, yeah, get him. You got this, Acton. What's oh oh sh- oh shit, you're hurt. Oh no. Is yeah. Like, well, what what are you doing, lady? Do yeah, do she, something. She's very passive. She's a very passive protagonist. Like most right. of the, like she, like I guess for the end, she I guess she does play a role in the ends. But anyone could have really done it. Um, but she doesn't really affect the plot yeah. in one way or the other. She's yeah. just there. Right. It's like yeah. it's like if um Ray. Always had someone to come in and save her in, you know, Star Wars In Star Wars. Right. Yeah. And there's the one scene where uh, as Acton's fighting, um, Hasselhoff just slowly walks over towards Stella and they both look at him seductively as mm-hmm. he's fighting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Acton is the real hero of this movie. He's fighting one on two and right. Hasselhoff's like, you got it, buddy. Yeah, and nothing. They do nothing. Yeah, they don't really do. Like even Simon doesn't do much anything either. I mean, he's in much less of the movie, but he's he doesn't do a damn thing. He has that one. He has that one fight where I had it had to be a stunt double because I'm like David Hasselhoff knows how to fence. Mm. (laughs) He actually he did look pretty good when he was fighting those uh, stop motion knights. Yeah, maybe he does. Who knows? It looks like he took up a little bit of fencing. Yeah. Um, so they attack the the Count's headquarters. Later, laser battle ensues, and a cheap Star Wars again because mm-hmm. there are shots that look just like the trench run at the end of A New Hope. I think that's what they were going for. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love the Count's uh, his orders to his men while this is going on. Uh, it's just simply kill, and he says it about thirty times. Kill. 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 He's like a little kid. Yeah. And these and this is just a long scene. This goes on forever and it's so mind numbing. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty bad. So yeah. and, and again they they lose. Yeah, they lose. That that's such a bad storytelling. <laughs> that's such bad storytelling. Like you you I don't think I've ever seen a movie where the good guys have the drop on the bad guy and fail. Yep. Right. I, will. Would... I, I would have ended the movie right there. Right, that, <laughs> that's what it, 
I mean, well, the count takes over the world. I, I guess I think I'm wrong. If because if you think about it, Infinity War, right? They have the jump on Thanos, mm-hmm. and they they lose. So that's one mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, but none other. No, there are no other yeah, other examples. <laughs> stop stop thinking of other ones, people listening. <laughs> yeah, Trust us, we've done the research. Yeah, we'll we'll just stop there. Uh, so they lose. And they're like, well, I guess that's it. And the Emperor's like, nope, we've got one last chance. And he drops the name of the movie. movie. Their last yeah. chance is Star Crash. Okay. Uh, so now but, what is, I, I stopped watching after they lost because I thought that was the <laughs> stupidest thing ever. So what? explain to me what happens after this. Star Crash is essentially, uh, you know, in The Last Jedi when Laura Dern pilots a ship through the other Star Destroyer? Okay. It is more or less that plan. Uh, it's a fourth dimensional attack, they call it. And basically, they have to pilot a floating city straight into the Emperor's Fortress. Hmm. Uh, okay. So Stella... Chris, Christopher Plummer out here playing fourth dimensional chess. Yep. <laughs> Everybody else is playing checkers. <laughs> um, so Stella says she'll pilot it, and then uh, Simon's going to pick her up and save her. Um, after she, I guess, puts it into, you know, puts the, the floating city into uh, autopilot. And then Simon's surprise for her is that he has rebuilt L, uh, or his scientists specifically. If, that sucks. Why? How? When? I was he, had his sci- he had his scientists working, working on him for hours. I oh, only nice. wish that he came back with a different voice. <laughs> that would have topped it off. That would have been great. great. All of a sudden, he's got like a New York accent. Oh my God, my circuits are going crazy. There you go, Stella. Stella. So more laser fights happen, um, and then they basically just drive a, a, a city into the Emperor's headquarters, and it blows up the Emperor's headquarters. Um, I did. And I, I did enjoy the empty chair shot. Yeah. To, to show that they had left. All right. Yeah. Um, and and that's it. Simon picks up L and Stella, and then Christopher Plummer ends it with a very dramatic soliloquy about and, what they've done. And right before that is the line I delivered in the beginning of the podcast, where uh, Hasselhoff goes, "Stella, Stella," and then it cuts to him and he goes. Welcome home. Okay. <laughs> See? See, it wraps back around, Dan. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> I, 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 was it worth it? <laughs> it's always worth it, Dan. <laughs> it, it, mean, it, it, was, is, it is to me. It is to me, at least. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, a, it was a paraphrase of that, of that uh, innocuous line anyway. <laughs> it, every time we do this, I just fall in love with Mark more and more. <laughs> He's such so, a good okay, guy. Okay, Mary Mark. Kill, Christopher Plummer, <laughs> Mark, or Christopher Plummer. Uh, I'm killing. <laughs> I'm killing Christopher Plummer. After you fuck him, or before? Yeah, you fuck <laughs> yeah. B- before, before. So you're and fucking I, Christopher Plummer's dead body, or are you marrying Christopher Plummer? I'm gonna dead do body? it, and then like immediately kill him afterwards. Okay, okay. Like as soon as yeah. as we're done. Uh, that's, that's creepy. Okay. Yeah. You're like a Black Widow spider. Just, just going, it. going, going. Uh, 
bang. And then I'm going to go, I'm, oh, I'm late. I got to go marry Mark. <laughs> <laughs> this is going on far too long, Christopher Plummer. <laughs> like a praying mantis, you just rip his head off at the end. <laughs> I, I, I smother him. I smother him. He's very virile. Christopher Plummer, drift off. Just go to sleep. You're too beautiful for this world. Uh, this is the way this podcast should wrap up. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the end of Star Crash. Um, <laughs> with, with Dan uh, defiling Christopher Plummer's body. Oh man, what if what if Christopher Plummer dies tomorrow? <laughs> That's probably more well, possible than uh, than Well, then we have a price. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wonder if people would start, you know, the authorities would start coming to us. Like, listen, guys, you. Uh... Mr. Aquino says <laughs> here, <laughs> I would smother him. Right. And that's how we found him smothered in his bed. Post-coital. Post-coitus, I should say. Don't look at me. All right, guys. Uh, Yeah. And that's all, folks. Have a good night. (laughs) I don't know how we go on from there. Uh, This movie's not great. Uh, It's it's just boring. It's shitty. Uh, Star Wars did everything better. Even when even when Star Wars rips off this movie later, it, this, it does it better. It does it better. <laughs> well, can can I say one thing? Like, yes, this movie was terrible. It was super boring. But we came out better on the other side. I think. Yeah. Right. We all and we all got to learn of L, who yeah. was amazing. And I think L deserves his place in the pop culture uh, pantheon. Yeah. At simply, least. simply for <laughs> my seatbelt stuck. <laughs> I, what, the last thing I'll mention before we wrap up is that we're we're running long in the tooth here. I thought when I first heard his voice, I thought it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. But as it went on, I was so happy that they stuck with that. <laughs> like they they didn't try to make it robotic. They kept yeah. it, this, this, that guy's voice, his yeah. southern voice. It was it's great. Just, it's so weird because in the first couple of scenes, he's got a completely different voice. I got to go back and listen to that now because I only remember hearing yeah. the southern voice. It's just, it's just not as pronounced. Like, it's okay. it's the same voice. It's the same guy that does his voice, but it's like a very different take on, on the voice. But it, but they didn't do the, like, my seatbelt is stuck. You know, right. like they didn't do that robotic. They gave it some personality, mm-hmm. which... Which is, I wish they had put C-3PO with a southern accent. <laughs> Can we go back and like dub the original with C-3PO? I don't, yeah. I can't remember any of his lines right now, but. Uh, yeah. Um, so guys, what would you do to make this movie better? Uh, I would definitely cut to the goddamn point sooner. Uh, the, it, it felt as if uh, you don't know where they're going at first with this movie. And then they get to the, oh, yeah, you got to go rescue my son. Okay, cool. I wish we would have done that 20 minutes earlier. You know, get get into that. Uh, I would have fleshed out Acton more. I would have liked to have known more about him. But in general, I probably don't make Stella the main character. I probably make, I, I'd probably have Acton as the main character and L 
and then maybe they rescue Stella. And okay. I, again, th- th- that is beat for beat Star Wars, but they're doing it anyway. Sure. Right. Yeah. So just keep it. If you're going to do it, go all the way. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. keep it that way. Uh, we don't see any of the, the count really, maybe three or four scenes. You got to get him in there more because he's your big bad. Yeah. He, we don't he, know what his, we, we, we know he has something that can kill billions, but what is it? We don't know. And I don't think we ever see it. Yeah. I was wait. I was waiting for him after, once I realized who he was, the actor, the count, I was waiting to see if they would have him drop a line, which again, I'm paraphrasing because I don't have the, quote in front of me but when he says to rocky at one point uh he goes rock i don't pay you to think (laughs) i was waiting for him to drop that on that like good old like second in command guy (laughs) in the last scene (laughs) i don't i don't pay you to think mark sort of but yeah i was gonna say mark what what would you do to make this movie better i would uh make it a uh buddy cop comedy with l and someone else could be anyone in this movie. But like you get rid of Stella, pretty much. It could be Stella. I, I think you keep L and Acton. Yeah, you could do a buddy cop with those two. Him with his weird powls and can see the future. Right. Uh, and L and his southern accent. Right. If you, if oh, you... no, Mr. Acton, I messed up again. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I say, I say, Mr. Acton. He just turns into Foghorn Leghorn <laughs> by the end of the movie. We're being attacked. <laughs> um, yeah, it's because looking back on it, Stella has no discernible, you know, uh, traits, and she's she's just good looking. Yeah. I mean, at least Acton has she's, these weird space powers. Like, is supposed to be like that? the? Isn't she supposed to be like the best pilot in the galaxy or something like a, that? That Han Solo out, thing. Supposedly, she doesn't yeah. fly a goddamn ship. She doesn't do a damn thing throughout this whole movie. Right, and that's Except, what I'm saying. Except you, you, set that city up to autopilot into the other ship. Yeah. If if you get rid of her, or if you, even if you have her, maybe introduce her late in the first act of the movie as the damsel in distress. Because, again, this is the 70s. That's what these movies were. I'm not saying I don't want someone to hear that now. Like, oh, women always have to be saved. No, they don't. But here they do. So maybe have her rescued in the, and she becomes... Just the, like the the third party member, pretty much. Just keep it simple. You you introduce her as the main character, and she doesn't do anything. It's kind of a waste of a main character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if I was gonna make this better, I would address that. Um, you guys are addressing it by not making her the main character. I would say mm-hmm. one of the main things she needs to she needs to play a more active role in the plot and the events that this movie. It puts forth, so that's how I would fix it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd also vary the the story, like because we said there, it feels like it feels like that it's a plot of like a of uh, a video game. It's like you got to yeah. go to these three planets to and track down these three crash sites. Okay, we do this one, and then something, and they get captured, and they right. go to the other one and get captured, you go to the other one and get captured. So it's like. It's episodic, but it's super boring, and mm-hmm. it's not very—it's not quite varied. So I would, you know, change that up. Maybe, you know, there's got to be a Moss Eisley Cantina scene in there somewhere. Right. Um, you know, some. It, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was gonna say something, something to make it a little more varied and uh, flesh out the Stella character more, um, and give her, give her something to do. 
because she's usually just standing there on the sidelines if she isn't captured being saved. Right. In Star Wars, when you're going to different planets, you know, uh, they go to Cloud City, they go to Hoth, they go to um, uh, what, what, where? Where does Yoda live? Dagobah. Dagobah, right? Like they they go to different planets, but it's paced so well because you, you're not stuck on that planet for for very long, and something interesting is happening on that planet. Yeah. So it. Like you said, yeah, you, you have the the cantina, you have. I mean, I don't think they go to Curacao in the original ones, right? Curacao gets blown up in the very first one, right? Right. Yeah. So I, they they go to different different planets, but they do it so well where it's you don't feel as if it's dragging. And this one, it's a lot of walking, a lot of getting captured, and just and the 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 budget for this doesn't really necessitate or it doesn't help the action pretty much because when Mm -hmm. the action does happen it's just a couple of explosions and like people just it's like an old western when they get shot and go and they fall over (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's essentially what this is like an explosion happens ah and they they're dead yeah all right uh uh you guys got any uh pluggables before we uh yeah out here obviously if you've listened to us before we all have our own uh Twitters, tw- tweeter machines. Uh, I'm at dequino122. Uh, you could also follow our Real Play D&D podcast, Stranger Damies, at Stranger Damies. Uh, we just released a new episode today, and Mark will get more into that. But those are my personal Twitter accounts, Twitter account and Stranger Damies Twitter account. Yeah, so Stranger Damies, uh, release every Wednesday. We are now on YouTube. Um, for right now, it's a tiny URL. You can do tinyurl.com uh, slash uh, Stranger Damies. That'll take you right to the homepage. Uh, please hit the subscribe button so that we can, you know, start getting a little following and have enough subscribers to maybe eventually get a vanity YouTube thing so we don't have to use the tiny URL anymore. Um, we'd appreciate it. Also, um, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to it on the go. Um, they are perfectly synced up in the sense that we don't add any extra you know um thing to the beginning or middle or end of the video that's not in the audio podcast so you can pick up right on the timestamp if you're out on the road and not miss a thing so um hopefully we continue doing that but um we'll see how the editing goes um from here on out but um yeah we're gonna have uh, the final episode of our first video session is coming up next week and then we have three more from the next session after that. And as you'll see, uh, we make some improvements starting with episode four that I think you guys will appreciate. And, it's, uh, it's very much a work in progress. So give okay. us, you know, give us the benefit of the doubt right now. We're, we're, we're doing our best. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. I'm very proud of what we've accomplished. Yeah. All right. Uh, this is, they called this a movie. You can find us on, a podcast streaming app, iTunes. Uh, it is they called smoothie.podbean.com is the main site for the podcast. Uh, if you you know listen to podcasts on any streaming app, just search they called some movie. We should come up. Uh, we're on Stitcher, Google Play, basically anywhere you can think of. Uh, the main website is themaindamey.com. We post there all the time as well we post the uh, stranger damies there as well as this as well as some other things um that is the main website and that's the 
Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us all at all those places at the main Damey. Uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we are now uh, affiliated with Geek Vibes Nation. Those guys have like a new episode of a podcast just about every single day. Whether you're into uh, video games or uh, TV shows, uh, sports, movies, they they've probably got something for you. I think comics. I think they got a comic. Uh, podcast um so check them out at geek vibes nation on uh, twitter and instagram or at their main site gvnation.com um and that's all i am at dan delvec and i think that's all the ways you could get a hold of us this week uh any final you can email us right did you tell them about the email we got a, you can email us at themaindamian at gmail.com if you have any ideas for a movie. Um, next week, uh, we don't really have a movie in, in mind yet. So if you've got a movie in mind, just let us know and maybe we can do it. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a shot for sure. Yeah. Um, but uh, that's, that's going to wrap us up here. So um, unless there's anything else, guys? No? Yes? No? No. No. <laughs> I think we uh, we hit everything. All right. So uh, that's going to wrap it us up. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling director of Star Crash Luigi Kazi to go fuck himself. Well, it's done. It's happened. The stars are clear. The planets shine. We've won. Oh, some dark force, no doubt, will show its face once more. The wheel will always turn. But for now, it's calm. And for a little time, at least, we can rest. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.